You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 75 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie and I'm here with my co-host Mary and we are very excited today to talk all about branding. Mary, before we talk about branding, I have to talk about our guest, which normally we don't lead about the guest. Like I know we always talk about something else, something that's going on with us. But today I feel like I have to start because I have the most massive girl crush on our guest today. And I don't use that lightly. I don't use that She's <laughs> Right. She's magical. I don't even really know her so well. And I can see why you have one. She's a force. So our, our guest today is Allie Craig. And Allie has been a client of mine at Hashtag Legal and someone I've gotten to know for quite some time now. It's been a few years. But I have been watching Allie. And Allie's been in business for a long time. But even in the few years that I've known her, I have watched her build literally an empire. It's unbelievable. I don't, I don't know how she does it. When you sent me her website, I was like, wow, how much does she have on there? She's, she's seriously impressive. She has magazines. First, she's a branding expert. She's been doing this for years. And she knows branding like I, I can't even I learn things from her every single time I talk to her. But on top of the fact that she has a robust branding business, she also hosts television shows has magazines, like real actual magazines, which you don't see anymore. She creates so much content. She has this incredible methodology. I don't know. I just, she, she blows my mind. She's amazing. And so I'm very excited that she agreed to come on the podcast today and to talk. She gave such, she, when you guys hear this, it is amazing. The information that she's giving is incredible. And I know it sounds like I'm completely gushing and I kind of am. So I feel like you, you Mary, are. <laughs> you need to talk about someone that like you completely admire and who's done something amazing because I could probably talk about Allie for the next like 20 minutes. And, and you talk about her for a whole podcast. <laughs> I really could. And I, I'm about to interview her. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think you need to take over for me. Um, yeah. So for me, there's so many people I admire because I mean, that's part of what I'm all about is, is learning from other people and meeting them and, you know, spreading community and all of those things. I think someone in that space, actually, for sure, I would say is Gesha Haas, who is the founder of Dreamers Doers. She's incredible. 
not only because she's so, I mean, she's so accomplished and she's done so much with Dreamers Doers. You just, when you meet her and you talk with her every single time for every single person she talks to, like you feel such a connection to her and you feel the love that she has for her community. It's unbelievable. She's so cool. I feel like you have to tell some people may not know Dreamers Doers because I it, it, right, is, it was yeah. in New York. Bay. <laughs> it, it's it's definitely expanded. But for a long time, it was a New York based organization. And as much as we think the world revolve around us, there are other <laughs> well, parts. Like the, I like to say it's like the, the best kept secret of the Internet. But also, I mean, you want it to be a secret, but you don't. You know, you want to share the happiness of the group. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, but dreamers doers started as a, it's, it actually, it started as a, a brunch meetup for some, um, women and, and founders in New York. And it grew over time that now it's a community again, mostly New York based, but they have, they have quite a few other locations now and it's all online. And the concept is you give more than you, more than you take. So from the community, so it's all community generated. You give offers to the group, other people post offers that you can take advantage of. And it's a great mix of entrepreneurs and startups maybe that are, that are really in the development phase and also employees at companies, but at large companies that, you know, are doing great work with either diversity and inclusion or employee engagement or some other some other areas that are also helpful to the community. So it's a really nice harmony, I think, of entrepreneurs and employees that kind of help each other and provide offers to each other. So I've I've loved being a part of it. One of the things I love, I'm also a member of the community. Uh, Mary actually is the one who invited me to apply to join because it's an application process. Yeah. But one of the things I love is Geisha's kind of a reluctant leader. She's a natural leader, but she sort of didn't want to do it. And so I think it's really cool that it's something that came that comes, I think, fairly easy to her in terms of gathering people, motivating people and helping people. It truly is a service that um, she seems to love to lift other people up. Um, But turning it into a business so that it could be viable. uh, It was I think it's it's really funny how you start off and you're like, oh, I guess I'm good at this. And I guess this is needed. And then all of a sudden you end up with this big business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I really admire it because yes, she was, she was really uncomfortable and, and just, it grew over time and she tried things and changed things, but she's been very open about it too. She's even had um, meetups for community leaders too, so that people could share their insights. And she's, she's always willing to share kind of what she's done in the past and what worked and didn't work and share her story about how she got to this point. But it's really an incredible group of people that are so willing to help each other. And yeah, I think it, it all has to do with the fact of how she's a leader. Yeah, I totally agree. And she remembers everybody, which everybody is such a I have the worst memory. <laughs> yeah. I remember faces. So yeah, like, <laughs> I have a horrible memory. I mean, it's just, uh, it's embarrassing. I don't even know what to do about it. I mean, there's nothing to be done about it. I think. No, embrace it. I'm just it's honest fine. about it. Because no. I really yeah. do remember faces. Like I, I will if, if we've met, I will remember you. Names, whoo, not good. Yeah, really bad at names. Yeah, a just, lot of people are bad at names. Yeah, I feel like I take it to a new level of embarrassing. <laughs> 
Probably. Mary's Probably. like, you know that person. I'm like, like oh, you, God, <laughs> Yeah, like Mary, you've met them before. <laughs> I'm so terrible. And I get really mad. It's like, it's so We're like rude. the total opposite. Because like, I mean, I don't always remember people so vividly, but sometimes I feel like I remember so many excess details that are unnecessary. <laughs> and I'm you talking do. to you and you're like, what? Like, you do. <laughs> I'm grateful for that because you can remind me. I need you right. to just come with me to all the places. Right. That's why we're like two halves of a whole. Yes. <laughs> I feel like um, Miranda Priestley in The Devil Wears Prada <laughs> at the party at the end with Anne Hathaway where she's like, that's so-and-so. And this is, I need like a book. Yes. Not that I know that many people are even as remotely as important as Miranda Priestley, but and hopefully that. I'm not mean. <laughs> no, just, you're not mean. I would like to have someone just come with me and say, this is this is this person's name and yeah like yeah like right like whispering in your yeah. ear <laughs> it's really bad oh anyway so I am uh, now that we've like completely fangirled which I'm cool yeah. with I think we need to yeah. uh, I think it's important that we yeah. fangirl about people who, I think so too who we uh, admire and just her doing amazing things because everybody's I don't know I don't want to say everybody's negative but a lot of times people are pretty they tear each other down and I think they totally do yeah. or, you know, and people get like afraid, like they think they think there's not enough for everybody. Yes. And there is there is like there is. So we need to, you know, it's like that phrase we rise by lifting others like we need to actually embrace that and actually do it. I totally agree. And if we could do that for other women, I think that's even not that we don't love our male listeners. You guys are awesome. We do. They are awesome. But I feel like sometimes women can be more supportive of each other. Um, and I, I don't think there needs to be competition. I agree. As long as everybody stays in their own lane, do your thing. You yes, do you. That too. And we're all good. We don't need copying. <laughs> Copying's it's not cool. Like, this has become the intro of, of like phrases or something. I know, I know, I know. Stay in your lane. Let's cliches. We need to have somebody create like an audiogram of all the cliches we've just said. Yeah. All the hashtags we've just made. Yeah. Yeah. We have to put those in. I think we need to get to the branding because there's some yeah, good stuff here. Yeah, let's talk here. about, so Al- oh, let about me tell Allie you again. About Allie, because I've already given like her an incredible introduction, but I'm going to give her official bio so you guys can hear all about Allie. You can't hear the name Allie Craig and not think of successful, profitable, and smart brands. For the last 20 years, this luxury neurohuman brander has personally collaborated in the build-outs of hundreds of brands from the classic retail model to the reinvention of industries. With clients ranging from the C-suite execs of Wall Street to the mom and pops on Main Street, Allie Craig is obsessed with helping the underdog win through smart brands that build successful bank today and well into the future. And now on to the interview. I am crazy excited today. I'm not going to lie. I am here today with, without a doubt, one of my most favorite people. I am here with Allie Craig. Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You, I, right back at you on one of my most favorite people. That's you. So, ah, yay! <laughs> this is this is good. I'm a warning for everyone. This may be a little bit of a love fest, but that is not the only reason that I brought Allie on to talk to everyone. Allie is when I think of branding, Allie is 
honestly one of the only people that I think of, but she is 100% the first person. She is a guru, an expert. She knows her stuff more than anybody that I know. Um, and I, I'm, But I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Please tell everyone who you are, what you do, and what you're working on. Well, my name is Allie Craig, and for over the last 20 years, which is probably why I know my stuff, I have worked with entrepreneurial brands to not just build smart brands, but build brands that aesthetically work and grow and evolve as we as a society grow and evolve. So my specialty is called neurohuman branding, which is basically the science and psychology behind why people say yes to your brand versus saying yes to your competitors. And so that's what my focus is on, is making sure that everyone's brand isn't just logistically on point, but more importantly, really shares the story and creates that human connection and that human relationship because that's what keeps your audience loyal to you. And that's what allows you to grow and scale as a brand in the end. Can you tell us a little bit more? I'm neurohuman branding. I know a little bit about it, but can you tell us a little bit more about that and your philosophy and how you approach branding? 20 years ago, branding wasn't this, guys. Like what we know and what we think of as branding, it's not your website and it's not your business card and it's not your logo. The whole reason why a brand came about actually came about when the Industrial Revolution came about because they realized that mass manufactured items like Coke or Pepsi didn't sell as well without that human connection. And so branding really is fundamentally all about creating that human connection between you and your audience. And the great thing about entrepreneurs is we already have that human connection organically in us that when you use it smart, you can actually strategically build a brand that you love and adore and your audience loves and adores. And so neurohuman branding allows us to use the biology, the subconscious mind, the social stories, and the psychology that runs all of us to build brands that we as entrepreneurs love, but also that our audience loves as well. So I'm a new entrepreneur, let's say. I'm, I'm not. We're making an example. Yeah, you're so not. But I'm not. But however... <laughs> But let's say I am, because I think there's a lot, our listeners are kind of all over the map. Some of them are thinking about being entrepreneurs. Some of them are like in the trenches. Some of them are sort of dipping a toe in. We're all over the place. But I don't know that everyone, I think everyone knows the word. Everyone thinks about it. But how do you truly get started when you're thinking about forming a brand, you know, making your brand, branding yourself? How do you do it? So my approach is totally different than what the majority of quote unquote branders or brand strategists out there will tell you because my approach is not about having it be logistics of your business or your offer, which are important. But in the end, I always tell my clients that on the absolute worst day of your life, you better have a brand and an audience that you so love and adore that you will still show up for them, even though the world is burning down around you at the moment. So for me, the first thing anyone needs to think about when it comes to building this brand is what is your true intention for this brand? If you're just trying to make a quick buck, acknowledge that and own that. And don't pretend like this is your lifelong legacy and passion. Build the brand, sell the brand, do what you want with it, but know that that's what your intention is. But if your intention is this is your passion, this is your heart, then you need to really put that into your brand, which is scary because it requires you to be vulnerable in ways that you know, most people don't want to be vulnerable in, but it's those elements that are going to have your brand create that relationship, that connection with your audience. And that's what's going to have them choose you over any competition now or in the future. So it's really all about you. That's where you start with your brand, all about you. That's, it's so funny because, you know, as, as you're talking naturally, like, what do I think about? I think about my own company, my own brand. 
And that's so true. Like when you think about you, you know, when I sit back and I look at like, what, what am I trying to do? How do I show up every single day? It sort of comes through. Um, and when you know what that is and when you're honest about that goal, it kind of manifests itself. I mean, you have to, there's a lot more that goes into it, but you can't do anything without knowing that that's a great piece of advice that I don't, I don't think I would have ever framed it that way. This is why well, you're smart. <laughs> I always tell people and people take this statement way too superficially, which is branding is a deeply personal experience. This whole entrepreneurial journey and being your brandpreneur, being your, being the brand and the face of your product, even if it's, if it's your company or if maybe you're repping for somebody, you're, it's still you. And so it's a deeply, deeply personal experience. And the number one thing that people fail at when it comes to their brands is their own personal and self-development. We let our own stories and our own issues and our own hangups get in the way of us being able to go forward for our dreams. You know, I always tell people building the brand is the easy part. Like we could build that in a week, like smart planning. You can build an entire brand in a week, but most people as the brand, that entrepreneurial side, they have to do the personal growth. And that doesn't happen in a short time frame. That's a lifetime. <laughs> it is. It really is a lifetime. That's why it's always about evolving and your brand should evolve. And, you know, just as you are evolving. Oh, that's, that's excellent advice. Can you, do you have any examples or like brands that you look at and you think they've got it, they've done it? It depends in regards to what. <laughs> Fair. Because, you know, everyone loves Apple and everyone like holds up Apple as like the brand, the go-to, like everyone should be like Apple. And what they've done really well is they've done really well with making a lifestyle. And honestly, that's a lot where branding is going, especially as we begin to become more in this age of influencer with social media being everywhere. It is really a lifestyle that you need to be modeling for your audience because that's what they're trying to create for themselves. But if you're talking about who does really smart with their brand and protecting it, that's Coke. Coke in our in the branding marketing industry, that's the one that we always, when you're at any kind of American Marketing Association conference or something like that, that's the one that everyone puts up as their case study is let's look at Coca-Cola. And it's because they are ridiculously good at protecting their brand. And I think most entrepreneurs fail to do that. They don't see the value on some level. They're like, well, I'm just going to try it out. And when I get to the point of making enough money, whatever that number is in their head, then I'll worry about protecting what I've created. And as you all know, that is not the smart decision to be made. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> we know this all too well. <laughs> yes. And then it's too late. And then I'm yes. like, don't want to say I told you so, but now we have to rebrand and not because we actually want to, because we are being forced to. Yeah. I never, you know, I never thought about Coke in that way. There's lots of companies that are really effective at protecting the brand, but they are definitely one of them. Well, Coke is uh, notorious for their trademark usage. So, you know, they're, you, you know, the register are, they <laughs> force it on all internal documents, even handwritten notes. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, you know, it may be technically it's a little overkill right now in today's society, but they're really smart about going after anyone who's going to ever hurt that brand. Yeah, you have to. I mean, if you're going to spend the time to build something, you have to protect it. I don't, I don't like understand. Like a child. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Really, you know, one of, so I have this reality TV show. We just finished season two. I've fixed my brand, Allie Craig. It's on the Brandpreneur Network, which is on Apple. And, 
you know, we kind of joke and you'll see the joke throughout the season that they call me their brand mama because a lot of these brands, even though we're kind of fixing them, they're existing. The truth is a lot of them are still very fledgling because they didn't go that far that quickly. I always tell them like, okay, when we build the website launches, when all this happens, it's just like you have a little baby. You know, you have this brand new little baby and you're thinking, I don't know what to do with this 100%. And you're trying to figure out how to relate to it. Because even if you're an existing parent, aka you have an existing brand, or this is a completely new brand, aka new baby to you, you're trying to figure out how, what to do and how to act and what's the routine and all this stuff. And so I always tell people, first six months, don't do anything except what we scheduled. What we plan, just do it. Because if not, and you make a move like, oh, no one's buying and it's two weeks out and I'm going to slash my prices. It's like cutting off the limb of your child. You would never dare do that to your human child, but we do it to our brand babies all the time. But as our brands grow, we still need to be its parent and protect the brand from other people trying to infringe on our rights or employees maybe not doing what they're supposed to do or maybe speaking not the right languaging for our brand. All of that's our responsibility to be the good brand parent and protect this brand child that we have. So once you, so I, I like how you have sort I liked your piece of advice about that first six months. So you say you, you decide, you know what your brand's going to be. You've set your intention. You're ready to launch. You know what you're doing. What do you do after that? How do you know what strategy to make, where to turn? When do you change gears? Like, is there sort of a roadmap people can follow? Well, if you've built your brand with the audience in mind, not this idea of this niche or this avatar or this fake human being, but really understanding the core triggers and social stories that your audience struggles with. So the things they say inside their head that they're like, if anyone would ever know this, they may not like me. That's what you, where you should be understanding your audience from. If you have that, the truth is what you have to do is just be consistent because you need about a good three to six months of consistently showing up in your marketing platforms. If that's your newsletter, if that's your podcast, if that's a vlog series, if that's social media posts, whatever, whatever you have strategized out as the way to meet your audience, you need consistency there. You're going to need consistency all the way through, but you need it for the first three to six months for you to get what you thought you were going to get when your website went live. Because everyone thinks their website goes live and miracles happen and manna rains down and the sales just come pouring in <laughs> and all of those stories of, oh, I made millions of dollars while I was asleep. That does not happen when your website goes live. <laughs> it doesn't even happen six months out necessarily. But where you, if you consistently work your marketing strategy and your growth strategy to build that relationship with your audience at six months out, that's where you kind of thought you're going to be on week one. And that's the thing that most people fail at is that consistency piece. Because two years of consistency is kind of where you thought you would be within the first couple of months. That's when people are really getting to be like, oh, look at that. Oh, you're there? How awesome. This is so amazing. You're like, I've been here for forever. And more and more, the studies show that that idea that overnight instant success, that's 18 to 22 years is what the average is showing of people consistently working their brand to have that quote unquote overnight success moment. That is, 
I I just like want to shout that from the rooftops. That could not be more true. People are I I get people because I was one of the first people to sort of start working in the influencer space and the legal services. Now some people are starting to realize, particularly a lot of younger people, which is great. There's you know room for everybody. We all you know, but I get people trying to quote unquote pick my brain, i.e try to take my business idea. And one of their questions is you're just, you know, I I've been I've been on Instagram for 3 months talking about copyrights. I don't understand. I'm like I've been practicing law for 15 years. Like it, it just takes time. <laughs> it <Yep>. always <laughs> And that's not what pe- that's not the sexy answer. And, no. You know, and, and I know when I talk to uh speaking events or when I talk one-on-one with people to um, talk about maybe potentially redoing their brand. That's not the answer they want to hear. Everyone wants the, oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to bull you. Like, I'm not going to lie to you about what it, the truth is. It's consistency and it's work. And that's why when I start building brands, the whole point is you have to love it on that absolute most crappiest day of your life. And I, I mean, I can remember personally having one of those when I was getting my divorce, when I was going through my divorce years ago, I had this client and I had to go, I was going to actually go meet them in person at their place. And it was just not the right time. Like everything felt like it was falling down around me personally, let alone trying to manage the business and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, do I cancel? Cause I can make some excuse. I'm sick or whatever. And I'm like, no, I love what I do. And I love this brand so much. It's not I want to honor them by showing up and bringing my absolute best A game that I can bring right now. And that's what everyone has. If you don't have that in your brand, you're never going to commit to it. You're never going to really show up for your audience the way you really want to. Because if you can't, you know, when everything else goes bad, when every single fear or stress shows up in your life on the same day, you have to be willing to still show up for your brand and your audience. It's true because it's so personal. It's everything that you've said. I mean, even if you build this massive machine, even if you end up building this large organization where people are working for you and all of those things, like as someone who owns a business, it's still you. You still have so much emotion tied to it. And, and you have I to show up for your audience or for your yeah, clients or your customers yeah, or your yes. employees, basically. Like everyone thinks, oh, it's easier when I have staff. No, no. it's not. Oh, <laughs> it's not. It's not, it's a shift. It's a change. It's that constant change. And I love my staff. They're amazing. I couldn't run my business without them, but it's a lot of work. (laughs) It really is. And now not only are you controlling your own message, but you have to control their message as well out to the world to make sure that you're all meeting what, you know, the, the values of your brand are and making sure that you are doing exactly what you said, which is, I I loved how you put it, the, the core of what your audience struggles with, like what their biggest fears are and what, like what's going on in their brain. I experienced that a lot in my business. I think probably more than most because most people are scared to death of legal. (laughs) Um, And so that's actually a big part of what I ended up making my brand to be. But I think that's true of any business that, anybody launches, your audience has a need of some kind. And it might be something seemingly superficial, but deep at its core, there's some kind of social, you know, story like you put, which I love that, that term that you use, that's driving someone to want to be one of your customers. It's either driving them because 
they feel inadequate or they feel like they're supposed to do it or, you know, in your case with legal, all the social stories out there is legal scary. Ooh, <laughs> like you don't want legal. If you have to have a lawyer or know your lawyer by their first name, that's scary because you must be in deep doo-doo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, so that's so true. When you understand why someone's coming to you, like maybe, you know, maybe for someone who does an organizational service for homes, maybe they're the reason why the people or their audience is coming to them isn't because, oh yeah, I love that I need help. It's a, maybe a potentially a negative because the audience feels like they shouldn't need the help because how are they not Martha Stewart? How are they not this perfect wife, mom, who can just have the house be always organized and clean and, you know, everything, dinner on the table at seven and all that kind of stuff. And so the struggle of why their audience is coming to them isn't because, yay, I get to hire an organizer. It's I'm an inferior human being because I need this type of help. So when you understand the social stories at play, you understand how you can kind of either talk to it or talk against what's going on in their head. Which goes back to what you said is truly, you know, a great tip is just understanding who your audience is and what they really, really need and want and are afraid of. And, I, and that's, statistics are not the way to do that. So how do you just do FYI. it? <laughs> how do you do it? So everyone says, well, just study the statistics, study your audience, see what everyone else has done, and then just replicate that, which is really idiotic in my book because you are not them and it will never work out that way. But here's the real reason why it's not the smartest move. So when I started doing branding over 20 years ago, you would quote unquote rebrand or update a brand every six to eight years. So every six to eight years, you would update the colors, the copy a little bit. You maybe refresh the logo, that kind of stuff. That's all you did. And you were socially relevant. We are down to four to six months. With the advent of social media and the internet, the way we're consuming information as our society overall as a culture is evolving every four to six months. So if you're looking at what someone did, what someone launched six months ago and how successful they were six months ago, or if you're looking at a statistic that finally is just coming out, when was that information captured? Because by the time you look at it, read it and implement it for yourself, you're chasing your audience. You're not leading your audience. That whole idea of statistics and all that is just old school in my book. How you do it is you use social stories to your advantage. And the great thing about social stories is that we all know them and we all have access to them. Social stories can be anything from books and literature, which is how it started out. But in today's society, it's also TV and movies. The easiest thing to do is Look at when your target demographic was anywhere between the ages of 16 to 21. Because between the ages of 16 to 21, we as human beings are most influenced by society at that moment. So for me, 16 to 21, basically that was early to mid 90s was for my audience demographic. Look at what the most popular TV shows, movies of those times were. And you want to look at them for two things. A, what's the most popular because most likely your audience is modeling that. But then you also want to look at what was, how was your niche or your industry talked about? Was it talked about in positive light? Was it talked about in negative light? What, what did people love it? Or was it all like, oh, that's horrible kind of thing? Like, you know, drama filled or something like that. Because it's those pre-assumptions that your audience is coming in with and they don't even know it because it's so deep in their subconscious mind. So for my audience, 
I can tell a couple of things, basically. If they're a mom becoming an entrepreneur kind of thing, most likely they either act or look like Jill Taylor from Home Improvement. <laughs> and so they actually tend to really love those mom jeans and that bob hair and those sweater vests an awful lot. But what they also do is just like Jill Taylor, they think they have to go back to school to quote unquote be successful. So I have an awful lot of people saying, oh, I'm thinking about starting this business once I get my master's in this or my, you know, I get certified as a life coach or whatever. And sometimes, hey, if you really need that, that's great. But nine times out of 10, that's not what's going to make you successful. But because the social story you were taught was be a mom. If you want to be a successful mom who has a career, you have to go back to school before success will come because that's what the major social story of our 16 to 21 year old time frame showed us. That is fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard that you talk about this in such depth. That's amazing. <laughs> so I, yes, go Netflix binge basically. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is so, oh my gosh. So mind blown over here, which is unbelievable. Um, and I need to think, I've got to think about that for myself because that's really, really cool. You actually, I am your demographic. So <laughs> Allie McBeal is your audience though. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because Allie McBeal was the lawyer show of that time frame as well as the practice. So you have, because you left the LA law of the late 80s. So you left that big, you know, big corporate firm and all that kind of drama and power suits to Allie McBeal and the practice, which was this crazy lady dancing around seeing a baby that didn't exist. I never really understood Allie McBeal. <laughs> I didn't either. I got to go to, I've never watched the practice either. I stay away from law shows because <laughs> they drive me bananas, but I'll have to go check them out. So you touched on, you also, you mentioned rebranding and that is like a topic that I feel like <laughs> so many people think about, talk about, want to do, don't do. When do you rebrand? Why do you rebrand? I just asked you like 15 different questions, but I'm really curious about rebranding and when you think it makes sense. And if it makes sense, how do you do it? Most people have to rebrand within the first four to six years of their business just because they didn't actually stop to think about their brand early on. You know, they fell into the trap of an entrepreneur has to do everything themselves. So, hey, I have a Canva account. I can make a logo. Hey, I can get on 99designs and I can have someone build me a website or I can get on Fiverr or whatever. And so you end up having all these pieces that actually end up telling no story. And then you realize, wait, that's not going to really work if I want to get to the next level. So at that point, yes, a rebrand is very much in order. Ideally, after that, just because you made a rookie mistake, you really should never have to rebrand. And that's why I love neurohuman branding so much because, because it's based on you and this idea, this relationship and this human component. We as human beings naturally evolve and grow. So who we are today and who we are from five years from now or even six months from now is going to be different. How we act, how we show up, how we speak, what's our priorities, all of that's going to begin to change. And so when you build a brand based on neurohuman branding, your brand will actually organically evolve. So yes, it will slightly look different and be spoken of differently in a couple of months, especially a couple of years than how you do today. But it's never going to have that radical change effect where they're like, who the heck are you kind of look. And it's those rebrands that can be good if done properly, but also can be scary if done properly. Because rebrands a lot of the times are kind of like the 1980s 
perm hairdos. You know, you look back at the photo of you in the 1980s and you think, oh, I really looked good then. Or you think, oh, dear Lord, what was I thinking? (laughs) And you don't ever want that experience with your brand. But far too often it happens. And then people get stuck in this cycle of constantly rebranding because, oh, well, that graphic designer didn't know what they were doing or that web person, you know, they didn't do what I wanted. And then we begin to use that as an excuse of why we're not successful is because that wasn't done right or that person didn't do their job right. And so it becomes a crutch of why we're not actually going out and really owning that this is our business. And it's a kind of and a reason why we can hide and also not really fully show up. So Rebrands are necessary, but should be done awfully with a lot of thought and a bigger vision and goal in mind, not just let's make something pretty. I love that. It's like productive procrastination. (laughs) You do all the things that you don't to avoid doing the things you are supposed to be doing. You just rebrand over and over again, make your graphics slightly different. I do watch people do that. People do that so much. People will pay me money. It drives me absolutely batty because we'll get all the way to the end of the process and they'll be like, you know, I think I want to like, just like start back again and try (laughs) it one more time. And I'm Uh, like, no, this is perfect and fine. And that's where branding as a deeply personal experience comes back into play is because you have to be mature enough as a human being to own the fact that, you know what, your graphic designer didn't necessarily do it wrong and your website person didn't necessarily mess up. What is really happening is the fact that you're scared, your fear is showing up of now I have no excuses to hide behind. I can't be that person at the networking event that says, oh, don't look at my website. I'm redoing it. Nope, your website's done. You can't be that person who says, oh, I don't have to do a Facebook Live today or I don't have to post on social media today because this isn't finished yet. You have no more excuses. The only thing you have to do is go out there and show up. And that is really scary because now if you fail, the failure's on you. And that's something a lot of people don't have the personal development in place to be okay with. That is the most perfect ending, I feel like, to a conversation on the Fearless Business Podcast, because we talk about that all the time, not living in the fear, not letting the fear stop you. And I think this is just one of those other examples of things people do to not ha- to avoid having to face sort of some of the real stuff that comes with being an entrepreneur. So please, you've given us so much unbelievable information. We are, I am so grateful that you came on. Tell everyone where they can find you. The easiest way to find me is shemeansbrand.com. And you can see my branding company. You can see the show. You can see all the other projects that we do. And then I am at the Allie Craig on every single social media platform known to man. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allie. This was amazing. And it was on, I learned a whole bunch and I watch all your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love, you know me, I love talking about brands. We could do this for hours. I could too. Jamie, I love that episode with Allie. She is on point with all of her branding advice. She's a force. I'm telling she, you, she I, I'm actually going to use some of that advice in my own brand. So it's really good stuff. I like how she blends psychology uh, yes. with brand. It's important. It may, it may like as she's so, talking, I was like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Always Even for the stuff. underwear, it like makes it makes a lot of sense for me too, you know, with just how moms, just everything, how moms shop or just what they're going through with, you know, postpartum. So there's a lot more that I can add to it from 
from what she just shared. That's awesome. We would love to hear your branding stories and maybe even your branding questions. Join us in the HQ so we can continue the conversation. Thanks Thanks. so much. And we'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag-legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.